Good morning. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. It is a footballless Sunday. The first footballless Sunday in, is it 22 weeks in a row of football? I think. Yeah. It's 22 weeks in a row of me saying to my wife, yeah, but I can't. I got I to watch football today. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't. No, I'm just kidding. This, this year has actually been fantastic because my wife is finally in to football. And finally, after all of these years, this year my wife was like just all in. That's why a few months ago I was upset when the Bills were kind of like on the verge of blowing it because my wife was starting to check. I could see she was re- getting ready to check out. I mean, is she a bandwagon fan? Sure. Is there anything wrong with that? No. I defend bandwagon fans. Not a problem. I uh, Listen, uh, without further ado, let me get to the big announcement. Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, children of all ages, I am so excited to announce that this podcast has joined the Lunchador Podcast Network. This is an announcement I've been talking about for a few weeks. It is finally official. I have joined the group at Lunchador. This is a network of local to Rochester podcasts. Uh, it is spearheaded by a couple of guys. There's Matt, and then there's my buddy Stromy, Chris Lindstrom, from the Food About Town podcast. Chris is a guy that I have been a big fan of for a very long time. I just love people who, who act, I mean, he's been saying it. I'm going to steal something Chris has been saying, and that is he's a guy who just can't not. Do you know what I mean? He's a guy who has to. He is a passionate passionate man mostly in and around the food business i love that he loves entrepreneurship i'm just a big fan of this guy and he asked me frankly sort of from the bottom of his heart will you join this podcast network we're going to launch you know at the time they were a few months out this was probably fall at some point and uh last fall and i I said i would i would love to i said i want to do this yes for you i will do this now we got to talk a little business because you're going, Paul, I've been listening to your podcast since you left radio. You said you'd never do ads. You said you'd never. Yes, 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 yes. Here's, here's what's going to happen. Okay. Here's how this is going to work. What's going to change? Essentially, not much. Uh, a couple new things. Number one, the host platform for this podcast is now Captivate.fm, not Spreaker anymore. Not a lot of people were listening directly from Spreaker anyway. And when I say not a lot, I mean, truly, there are literally six or seven of you who were going to Spreaker directly to listen to this podcast. So it's I'm going to eventually let that because that is a paid subscription thing. I'm gonna let that die. Okay, that'll die probably whenever the next payment is up. Might You know, this podcast is probably on Spreaker. Maybe the next one or two will be, but eventually that's going to die. No more Spreaker. So that's one thing you need to know, especially for those six of you who actually do listen on Spreaker. And I'm not exaggerating when I say six. It's literally, I think, six people who listen. Okay, anyway, the Spreaker will die eventually, but I'll do the next couple just so you don't miss that. That's one thing that'll change. There's a website called Captivate FM. It's on there. I wouldn't worry about that too much. What I would do is I would continue to get it wherever you currently get it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart, whatever it is, whatever your favorite platform is, that's the best thing to do. However, there is a website that you should go to in regards to the actual podcast network called lunchador.org. Lunchador.org, and this is going to have all of the different podcasts. Uh, Anomaly Presents, Behind the Glass Gallery, uh, Refined Taste, uh, Food About Town, 
representation in cinema, Level Up Coffee podcast, Punches and Popcorn, Mag- Mind of Magnus, etc., etc. All the podcasts that are on the Lunchador Network are all on lunchador.org. So I would say as far as where to direct yourself, if you're kind of like, yeah, you know, cool for you, Polly, but I don't really care, do nothing. Then just do nothing. You can keep listening on your own app, whatever it is you currently listen on. You're fine. Uh, the, the people who... Uh, do listen on Spreaker. I'm spending a lot of time on you six. Get off of there. I'll give you a week or two to do that. And uh, really, really lunchador.org for all the information or just keep doing what you're doing. Now, one other big thing we got to get out of the way here is ads. Are you going to hear ads? First of all, let's do a little education on the difference between an ad and a promo. So you will hear promos for the other shows on this podcast now. Guess what? I want that. I like it that way. You should be supporting local podcasts. So it's okay. I have no problem with the uh, promos airing on this podcast. Advertisements. True, honest to God paid advertisements. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to make an agreement, me and you. I told you we were never going to advertise on this podcast. We're going to compromise. Here's what we're going to do. These guys that own Lunchador, I want them to be successful. I want them the opportunity to make money. And if they can do that by selling advertising on this podcast, I'm going to say go for it. Okay, which means you could hear an ad. All right. But I vow to you that I will not personally profit, not even one penny from those ads. There is a deal, which I won't get into, but there is a deal between Lunchador and the podcasters that there's a revenue share. So if an ad appears on this show, I would get a certain percentage of it if they sold it. And if I sell the ad, I get a a bigger percentage. They would get a smaller percentage, right? If they sell it, they get a big percentage. I get a small percentage. Either way, uh, by the way, first of all, I highly, highly doubt I'm going to go out and sell ads for this podcast. That is, I I will tell you, it is probably only going to happen if somebody approaches me. And again, I am not too shy or shamed to admit to you. I've been doing this podcast now for four years. I have had exactly two businesses approach me to advertise. It's not likely I'm going to get a lot of that, okay? So one, that's one thing. If they were to approach me and it were to happen, I will not profit a penny. What might happen, though, is these guys with Lunchador, Chris and Matt, they might go out and sell ads. I want them to. I want this business to work for them. If they do that and it appears on this show, I get a cut. If I get that cut, I will give it to charity. Which charity, you ask? I sit on four boards. Rochester Rotary. And we service Sunshine Camp and school number eight in the city. Big Brothers Big Sisters of Greater Rochester, right? That's mentorship. St. Anne's Foundation, right? That's elder care. And the Rochester Broadway Theater League, that's arts. Those are four things near and dear to my heart. Rotary has done more things for me than any other organization in the world. Big Brothers Big Sisters, because I believe in the 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 I believe in the value of mentorship, and I would not be anywhere near where I am today if it wasn't for my mentors. Uh, St. Anne's Foundation, because I love elders. Who was the closest person to me in my life? It was my grandfather, Grandpa Pete. I don't think that they get uh, the amount of love that they deserve. I think that they are treasures, and I think they're often forgotten about. And therefore, I love my elder care. And finally, Rochester Broadway Theater League. That's my ode to the arts. Love me some arts. It'll go to one of those four charities. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris, cover yours for a second. Matt, I wouldn't listen to this part. I don't anticipate that to be a lot of money, at least at first. I hope these guys blow up, and it's millions of dollars down the road, and they point back at this podcast and say, hey, 
Polly, you bastard. You didn't believe in us. I believe in you, fellas. I just don't think I'm about to start seeing a six-figure income off of this podcast. Now, I'll be honest with you. If somehow they go out and sell enough advertising that there's a six-figure income to be had on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to probably have another conversation. (laughs) But for right now, whatever money comes in is going to charity. I think it's an awesome thing. I want you to support these podcasts on lunchador.org. There are some phenomenal podcasts on this uh, on this platform, and uh, and I'm just really, really happy to be here. So thank you so much for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, for those of you who are brand new listeners, there might be a few of you. Welcome. Thank you for listening. This show is going to be about 75% of the time be long-form interview with leaders. I used to say entrepreneurs. I tend towards entrepreneurs, but like today, for example, is a day where it's not an entrepreneur, but it's always going to be somebody who is either a business owner uh, or a le- or community leader or just a le- somebody who's very high up in an organization. Generally, somebody who part of their job is to lead a team, lead people, and lead a and lead a business or a not-for-profit or something like that. So uh, that's what we're going to do, long-form interviews, just learning about how those people – I like to hear how those people got where they are today. You know, how do people who get to the top get there? And I think you'll love Linda's story. Rochester Broadway Theater League Executive Vice President Linda Glosser. I got an email that said, what was it a luncheon load? Is that what it's called? <laughs> load and lunch. Load and lunch. I almost had it. <laughs> what is, and then I just got to walk in here. I never have gotten to walk, I've never seen a load before, ever <laughs> happen. A load a in. A load in? A load in. And Ain't Too Proud is upstairs right yeah. now loading in. Yes. I thought I was going to get tackled on my way through because there's like the stuff, the real stuff, the stuff, stuff. is right there. The stuff. Yeah. What, what is the, the, it said after many years so, we're bringing it back. Okay, so we started that, I don't recall what year, but we started something called Load and Lunch, which is where we invite whoever wants to come in, and we invite via our big you know, email distribution list, uh, tell people, bring your lunch, come in and sit in the theater and watch what's happening on stage. It could be interesting. It, the crew could also be on break, so you never know what's going to happen. Sometimes different uh, shows will say, hey, we'll give you the company manager or the production stage manager, and they'll come in and answer uh, questions, which is exactly Ooh. what they did today. So it's very casual. Um, it's free, open to the public, and you know you sit there. It's freezing cold up there because it's freezing cold outside, and yeah. the great big load indoors are open right now. So you know, but people just sit there and absorb it, and then the, they do Q and As and learn a little bit about the show. It's just fun. And you get and you get lost in you know. I've just I've been such a big fan for so many years, and have only recently come to know this building a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But you get lost in that the door, the load in door, is just right there. It's just right on the. St- it's a great big garage door. It's right behind whatever <laughs> you know, the Pride yeah. Rock from Lion King. It's right there. Yeah, it's just right there. That's the magic it's of really theater. Cool that, and I love that idea. Yeah. The 
load and launch. It was what a great idea. And you said it's been before COVID? We started it, I don't remember what year, um, maybe 2016. That's just a guess. Cool. We did it for a couple of years and then we went on hiatus, obviously. Uh, and then finally we this year has been markedly different people the you know protocols are a lot looser and they're yeah. willing to to cross paths with you know out, outside people outside the bubble people because yeah. um you know at this point i guess we feel we can which is great yeah. it's great yeah. okay all right let's back up i want to yeah. go all the way to the beginning i love doing my interviews in like chronological order oh. <laughs> so where did you actually grow up where i grew you? up in warsaw new york and that's where i live now so, oh, so really which is about a little bit closer to buffalo than rochester but, a, but roughly a halfway point commute every day or is there some every day that's how i get here every day it's old school I nobody like drives me yet so. <laughs> yeah uh the the childhood was it like oh, here's my question i always ask this is how i break the ice on on the career okay if i found linda glosser she's an 18 year old girl what are you going to be when you grow up um i'm i was totally like uh you know a nerd and i was into classical music i went to school i actually did go to school after after 18 i went on to college uh, to study music performance I actually went on for grad school then did that as well it was classical so you know i did I, you know i was just that, that's what i was into um I, was, I played and that's that's what i did and then eventually i switched paths a little bit and kind of went into the business side of things what did you play organ pipe organ nice. you, Tol- yeah we, we go to the rpo yeah. every year mm-hmm. and and i'm not gonna lie to you you know i don't i don't listen to classical music in my car do you by the way i do sometimes but all, i listen like, to everything i listen to everything do you get high energy stuff ever i mean there's high energy classical music too isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. um i listen to i listen to everything now yeah. I mean, you can listen to books you can listen to you know podcasts yeah. i'm into all like a lot of different things like most people yeah yeah well what i was going to say is we go to the rpo every year mm-hmm. and every year i always make a joke about oh, okay all right classical music just say, then i go there and i have a freaking ball yeah it's fantastic yeah. it's just great yeah. and uh and, you know I, I it's the type of thing where i go there and for two hours three hours i tell myself I'm going to start listening to more classical music because look how amazing this is. And then it doesn't happen a year later. There I am again. And, you know, the RPO is is a remarkable uh, is a remarkable thing in this community. They they are, you know, world class. Yeah. But you don't also have to do that. Like I I have XXI on in the background pretty much all the time uh, in one part of the house. And and you know Saturday nights. By the way, I don't. You probably don't know this, but you can listen to. Um, they feature music uh, like gamer music, like and and composers who write music for games. That's cool. It's not, yeah, it's it's you know it's not all like you know the stuff shirt, uh, classical stuff that maybe I think a lot of people kind of stereotypically think classical music is. There's just yeah. there's tons of interesting stuff out there. It's it's just the sky's the limit you can listen to whatever you want so when you went to prom and they played like like pop music were you like this music sucks we need no. some Mozart no I didn't go to prom but anyways I no I didn't I liked everything I liked yeah. everything yeah, okay alright not so much 80s hair band stuff so no, right, yeah. you know <laughs> I skipped that too ah, you're right. I had yeah. to draw the line a little bit but. so you okay so at first it's in per, it's performance for mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. and then at some point you make the switch over to the business side what was it that kind of triggered that and say you know I'm going to go behind the scenes I was in school at, at grad school in Cincinnati and I kind of had this revelation. I'm like, I gotta. I don't know how to do anything. I mean, all I do is play. I don't know anything about anything. And I mean, I really didn't. Yeah. Even now, I look back and I think, boy, I didn't. And I just had a change of heart. The professor that I went specifically to study with took a year's leave of absence, which just, I, I, there was a variety of things that occurred. But I thought, you know, I, I might need to get out in the world a little bit more. So I um, 
studied really hard. Uh, I, I took the GMAT and went back to school for an MBA program um, with a um, focus on arts administration just to try to learn something beyond, cool. you know, what I knew. So that's kind of that's. And then I ended up uh, with an internship with the RPO. In fact, uh, RBTL was still part of RPO at that point, operating under the auspices of the RPO. And um, then there was a split, and I went with RBTL when there were just four of us at RBTL, and we kind of then split away and started doing our RBTL thing. So so you essentially, I mean, all these years later, we can look back at this entity that you, you're with right now. You started here as an intern. With RPO as an intern, and with then our, I came okay. came over, I think, when I came over to RBTL, uh, we then took over the box office operation from the orchestra at that point, and I became box office manager. We kind of created as as we went. Yeah, yeah. You know? But you know, the thing about RPO and RBTL having been together, mm-hmm. I've heard that a lot. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of us uh, have heard that a lot, but I didn't, I don't really have an education on like the history of both of them. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but like, what was the history of both and they were together? And... We're separate then together, and I don't know what the catalyst was for them to operate together. And I couldn't even tell you. I think this we were established. I should know this in 1959, I believe. And I should. I hope I'm not wrong with that. I know if, if I'm wrong, it's by a year. But um, uh, I don't know at what point the orchestra and the RBTL really joined officially. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sh- sure of that. I should. But I don't yeah. know. It, it was before. It was before I started, and I've been around okay. 36 years. So, you know, it was before. It was before that, and then again we split. What was the um, reason for you guys to eventually say maybe we we switched up? I think the orchestra really wanted to focus at that point on specifically its classical. Um, you know, we, the, R- RBTL was presenting some quote unquote pop things, you know, under that umbrella organization, and they really that was not where the orchestra's mission or focus was. So mm-hmm. it was just a it was just a split for that um, reason, and it it was okay. And know? around when was that? I should know. Um, sorry, I keep putting. I know. I, it wasn't so going to be a point of view. I'm sorry. <laughs> so mean. If you go back 35 years plus one. <laughs> so, so at that time, was RBTL while they were still together operating in the way it does now, in the sense of bringing in Broadway shows? That was the idea. Yes. Yeah. And at yeah. one point, the the uh, Broadway was playing over at, at Eastman Theater, and then you know, the, then we branched off and. Uh, started coming over here and, and presenting, so it was kind of a gradual change. Uh, I actually remember the the show that was the big one is, I, I, you wouldn't remember this, but it was a show called Starlight Express where there was a uh, Did all they the ro- roller skate. You, you know this? I've been to it. I've seen it. <laughs> Wait, I still remember Starlight Express. Say to me yes. I remember that. So wow, <laughs> I'm a Broadway fan. Yes, well, yeah. So that was scheduled to be there and. You know, at some point, lo and behold, there was this realization that the show wasn't going to fit on the stage because yeah. as great as Eastman Theater was and is as Kodak, Kodak Hall now, you know, it just isn't the right, it's not the right size for that. So they needed much more room, so it came here. And that, to me, seems as though that was sort of the beginning of the exclusively here yeah. at, at the auditorium. You guys at looked point. around and went, this is nice. We could have our own little well, over here. It was, it, it, it's, you know, plus the orchestra, you know, and between the school and the orchestra having the need for that hall primarily i think it also was an issue of this just being a place that we could be so that was that show i mean i've seen some shows where they do some risky stuff on stage that show the whole thing was a risk they're just roller skating around the who would want to do it (laughs) like and i mean honestly like what can the floor of the stage take that or they probably bring in their own floor i imagine i think there was there were platforms and scaffolding and i don't even know you know presumably it's all done you know and certified by you know 
engineers, yeah. licensed engineers, but you know. <laughs> I saw it at Playhouse Square in Cleveland. I, uh, so I'm from Northeast Ohio. So I grew up going to Playhouse Square. That's the place. We weren't, I wish, I when I say grew up going to Playhouse Square, I don't want to misrepresent. We weren't, my parents didn't bring me there many times a year, but I went a handful of times. Yeah. I always really loved it. I don't know. For me, it's not, I mean, I love Broadway. I love art theater i love all of it but like for me it's more about i just love anytime someone has put so much time into a performance yeah i'm just like love it i it's like i'm captivated I, this is just fantastic I, this person has trained their whole life to do this thing and i get to enjoy it like anyway that's no, my opinion. I, I hear you i i watch shows and even shows that if i think eh, this might not be my favorite one the you know that whole act of sitting with other people yeah. watching other people up there do something that you think, oh my gosh, you know, how to, you know, there's a decent amount of and risk, relative risk, right? Yeah. But you, but this is just something somebody's trained for and they're trying so hard to present something, you know, and, and with, with just, to me, real pure intent. They just want to be good. They want to be yeah. able to perform, you know, and everybody sitting in that theater wants that person to be successful doing that. To me, that's just part of the, whether you like the show or not, that shared experience is really totally. unique in yeah. the world, you yeah. know? So, uh, so back to your career trajectory. Mm-hmm. So, you're box office manager, and what does that entail? Basically, sales. We had a phone room at the time where you know, uh, before this was well before people could order tickets on the internet. So, yeah. <laughs> we got to talk about that. Can you remember this? Uh, but, anyways, <laughs> you know, we had a phone room, so it was just kind of managing that. And you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into box office in addition to ticket sales. I mean, essentially, the box office is where all the accounting occurs for those ticket sales. And at some point, you have to pay somebody for what tickets they sold. So, you know, you need to do reporting both internally and externally to those promoters that are doing shows with you, all that sort of stuff. So it was just, you know, you kind of learn on your feet on how to do that. Do you um, miss the days of tickets go on sale Saturday at 10 a.m. and you have a line out the door? Oh, I, or are you like super happy that's not a thing anymore? Now, you know, it's fun when there's something like that. And to see, the difference is, is you get to see people who are really excited to stand in line and get a ticket. You yeah, know, I mean, yeah. and there's a different level of excitement when Lion King went on sale many years ago now for the first time ever, first time it came to Rochester. We literally had a line down the block there were probably a thousand people in line and you know there were there was activities with that you don't really see that ever anymore and and again let's be honest that was unique then too but it is nice when a show goes on sale if we get a chance here to get a line of people here just to see their excitement it is fun i don't mean to skip all over the place you mentioned lion king Mm -hmm. i follow this guy on tiktok who does the broadway sales every week and talks about him and uh lion king crushes it just crushes it's, like it's it's enduring classic i mean yeah. boy, that uh yeah think about how long it's been out there i think it just celebrated 20 years on the road i think that's a long time well you look at it and you you know you, you I, I guess you know again i don't know i don't know this the way you know it but i look at it and i just assume it's gonna be hamilton and then everybody else but lion king is like yeah. right there with hamilton yeah, every single week it's crazy it is it's fantastic a, i think it's, it is a fantastic show i've seen it a number of times too and i think Again, it's it, there is something exciting about that. The a woman who's director of sales here, Erin um, Taverney, she and I, when the, when shows come in, a lot of times you go in, and Lion King used to do this routinely, where they'll come in, they'll run a rehearsal just to see how it fits in the venue. They have they they do advanced crews. They know essentially how it's going to fit, but they want to see if there's. That. That's oh, they, interesting. Well, not every show does it. Okay, but 
Disney is one of those that with Lion King would do that. So they'd come in. So, so and, I don't mean to interrupt you, but hmm? you're talking about months, a year, two years ahead of time. They'll send a crew here. Oh, yeah. They do it. Yeah. To practice once just to see. No, it, no, no. Or, they'll send a crew here to do measurements. So they okay. know what their sight lines, they know where they've got a problem. Like if you remember with Lion King, you know, you've got people playing drums up you know above the stage in the boxes whatever they've got to figure out how all that fits so they do a ton of pre-work and measurement on that but then in that show when they come in they'll run a rehearsal i don't know if the last time i think they did but a couple of us get to go in and we wander around the house with the company manager just to see how sight lines are see if there's any issues you know and every single time that they do that processional doesn't matter how many times you've seen it you know, we sit there and like our eyes get all teary because I'm looking, we laugh because we're like, we're such nerds. Like, why is this so exciting still? But <laughs> yeah. it is, yeah, you know, and is. so whatever that thing is that makes that show so special, you know, every, I think everybody who, you know, it's a, phenom- yeah. it is truly a phenomenon. I think people understand there's something special about that and, and lots of others too that speak to people that they went to and they took their kid. My kid, his first performance was Lion King when he's five years old, cool. you know, so it's special, yeah. you know? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I guess I, there's so much I want to ask you about ticketing okay. and old school versus nowadays, <laughs> but I guess instead of asking you a million questions, about it, I just want to ask you one blanket question. What? On it. If you could wave a magic wand right now and just go back to the old way of ticketing mm. or current day, it's all online. Would you wave the wand, or are we better off this way? No, I. Uh, that's a question that it's kind of loaded because it depends. There's lots of different aspects of it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of online ticketing issues today, which didn't exist before the Internet. Yeah. You know, people didn't go on to websites that weren't well-intended. And, you know, unfortunately, people, uh, and this is not a, you know, this is not me as a shill for Ticketmaster. That is the system that we use. Yeah. Um, but... You know, New York state law has changed and and how people can buy and resell tickets. And the resale market is very difficult to um, regulate in practice. I mean, there are rules, there are laws. People don't follow them and there's no eye in the sky that's watching. So if somebody wants to go in on our first day of an on sale and buy a ticket, however they buy it, whether it's online or in person, you know, law permits them to resell it. A lot of people are really reputable about that, but some aren't. And, you know, one of the frustrations that we constantly deal with is people not realizing that unless you go to Ticketmaster.com, you're going to go to somebody else. And somebody can post their ticket for sale for whatever they want. A lot of times when you're doing search engines, um, you know... Ticketmaster might not be the first search that comes up, so somebody goes on a different uh, website... And they might think that, oh my gosh, Hamilton tickets are you know five hundred dollars in Rochester. Right? They're not. They're I remember not. you guys had to put out a yeah, statement and constantly. Stuff about this. So do you guys pay attention to what stuff is selling for on the secondary? I totally. imagine. Yeah, yeah. We watch it all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but it's frustrating. And, and listen, people that smart people make mistakes all the time. So it's not their fault, you know. But unless that's it, it's frustrating for us because we say, oh my gosh, we spend tens and thousands of dollars telling people the right place to go mm-hmm. and invariably you know you mm-hmm. always have people that don't manage to get there and but but it's misleading and we you know smart people get misled all the time people who buy yeah. who are ticket savvy you know all the time so we hear a lot of times that they don't want to buy a ticket because they just think eh, i don't want to spend that much on this show well oftentimes if they really end up in the right place buying it they can find it's a lot more affordable so to answer your question 
in the old days, you didn't have that as an issue. And yeah. from a customer perspective, sometimes I think things, when they go south like that, you think, eh, it would have been easier, you know, if they were just buying it from us here in person. Yeah. So, that's, t- that's frustrating. Because yeah. I can imagine at some point somebody's come up to you and said, oh, I spent $400. For every show. Thing. And you're going, I didn't charge you every $400 show. for that thing. Right. And, Virtually yeah. every show the box office hears that. Yeah. The other thing is, is sometimes, and not only that, but there are those people who will do it and, it, you know, people who are less than reputable and they'll sell a ticket that doesn't, that will misrepresent what they have. And you get somebody here that you're like, yeah, this ticket was for a show mm-hmm. three days ago. You can't get in with it. So we deal with that a lot. And we that try sucks. to advocate if somebody has, you know, been basically victimized of a, of a scam, you know, a, a, a we try to, you know, advocate for them. We'll write letters on behalf of them to their credit card companies, you know, trying to help them recoup yeah. their their uh, money. But it, it's hard. So the old days were easier that those mistakes weren't made. On the other hand, it's easier for somebody to sit at home in their pajamas and order tickets than then truck all the way down here. You so know? Uh, so it, I, I guess what we're saying is it's a way easier for somebody to get victimized these days. If they're not careful, been. yes. Now, but you're talking to somebody, though, who was once victimized in the old days. <laughs> Did you buy tickets from that guy who had a whole bunch of tickets on the inside of his trench coat? It up wasn't front here. Or something? It wasn't here. <laughs> I was dating a girl that went to University of Michigan, and you wanted to impress and I went her. To, and I went. No, we were went to a football game, and she had a ticket because she had a student ticket, and uh, I was gonna get a ticket, and we were gonna figure it out. We were nineteen and dumb, you know. We didn't know. I was thinking like, oh, I'll just switch spots or squeeze in. The student yeah. section's crazy; they all just squeeze in. Anyway. They won't care. And like, you know, there's somebody scalping a ticket. I buy a ticket, hundred bucks. Here's your ticket, and got to the gate, and. It was a real ticket, but it was a student ID ticket. And it was like, oh, we need, okay, oh, good ticket, yep, need to see your ID. And I was like, oh. They wouldn't let you in without the ID? Yeah, so then I like pulled out my John, I went to John Carroll, so I pulled out like my like John Carroll ID, and they're like, no, a University of Michigan oh my ID. And then I was just like, oh my God, this ticket is only good. So I got kind of victimized. That is a victim. Although, although to be, I don't know if the guy selling the ticket probably just assumed I was a student there. So that being said, maybe who it, knows what the intent was? Maybe right? I'm just an idiot. <laughs> okay, so that's the ticketing conversation. But back to the career trajectory. Yeah. Box office manager Linda Glosser. What comes after that? You know, we were when when I I started there. I mean, we were again. There were four full time people. That was it. Yeah. Um, so we were building the business up again. So that's where I needed to be. That's what we needed to be in control of. And you know, we had somebody who was doing operations. We had somebody who was doing administration and box office needed to be done. So yeah. that's kind of how that happened. And then, you know, over time, I you know transitioned into other areas of. Uh, of it, I mean, I just made myself probably a nuisance at the time. You know, it just advocated if for you, yourself. Sure, you have to. Yeah. So you just like learn as much as you can learn, yeah. and you know, I knew I had the capability to do it. But again, the company was also growing, so there were opportunities that if you happen to be here, you know, we got to do this. Okay, let's let's yeah. let's learn how to do this and do it. So as somebody who who went from the intern at the RPO to executive vice president at mm-hmm. RBTL. I mean, I think that's an important lesson to talk about. You advocated for yourself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there were opportunities, and I took advantage of the opportunities, you know, but I also, you know, 
this particular business because of the way it is. It's definitely not nine to five. There's as, you can work as many hours as you want to work mm-hmm. during you know a show season. So, you know, if you're willing to do a lot of nights and weekends and long hours, you know, there was a lot of opportunity. And then we still have people who are you know relatively young to the organization who are are, are learning that. But we don't want to abuse people. You know, I mean, we I yeah. think we've gotten better at recognizing like there has to be a little bit of a balance. I mean, I would probably admit that there probably wasn't much of a balance at one point for me. You know, you could. You could yeah. work as many nights in a row down at Finger Lakes as you wanted, and, 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 and you was had to say, go home. No, yeah. So yeah. you know, so again, it was yeah. just part of trying to. And we were growing again, so the opportunity was there to grow with the organization to try this, to. This do part, things. I don't want to say this part too too loud, <laughs> but uh, the do you think that exists as much with the kids coming out of school right now as it did? There's always exceptions to the rule, and you're going to find some that are hustling their asses Mm -hmm. off. You're going to find lazy, and you're going to find hustlers Mm -hmm. in every generation. There's no doubt. As a whole, on average, do you think kids now, and when I say kids, I'm going early to mid-20s. Kids these days. Kids these days. (laughs) Let's be old people for a second. We do sound old. Kids these days. (laughs) Are they saying, I'm going to put in a million hours that I'm probably not going to get paid for because it's going to pay off eventually? Or are they not doing that? You know, my experience here is people do, yeah. you know, but we also don't want to do that anymore, too. I mean, I mean we... Arts kids, though. Arts kids are freaking, like, they're just monsters in you, a good way. I mean that in a good way. I think in a good way, too. I mean, we have a lot of people who work here who aren't, you know, don't come from necessarily from really an arts background, but, you know, they hustle. And so I think, you know, people come into this place. Now we've been around for a long time, you know, and the culture is, is that, you know, you're going to do... It, who knows? You know, we might have a week where we don't have any shows. We might have a week where we don't have any shows. Yeah. But you also might go into, like, November was nuts. Between the beginning of November and mid-December, I think we had 36 shows, which is a lot between yeah. in a in that short a period, a month and a half. Um, and really, I see people now uh, willing to jump in and do it. I don't know that question in general. I think it's a little bit different than it used to be. Mm-hmm. I think the expectation used to be is, like, kind of do whatever whenever you need to do it and again nobody was telling you to go home so you just did um i think in general our culture has gotten a little bit less uh i don't know it seems like on some level people do expect to have more quote-unquote me time in their lives you know uh i think i've noticed that but i'm not you know that i I would also tell you there's plenty of people here that we have to say no go home yeah you know we can we can live with the and i don't want to talk about pandemic times necessarily (laughs) but it is something we learned you know we created capability of communicating you know via zoom or teams or whatever so we find that not everybody has to be front and center at all times you know we can we can figure it out do you uh do you as a leader find those weeks where maybe you don't have a show you find a way like let's get out of here go go you know like yeah, get, get home on time have dinner with your family oh definitely because next week we're slammed absolutely that yeah i mean you know whether you know whether new york state recognizes it or not you you do flex people in and out of their their responsibilities as you can and and it's nice again because i would say every single person who works here now has a sense of when that's appropriate to do that or when it's like nah i gotta you know stay yeah. so we're we're really lucky right now yeah so 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 what's the rest of the trajectory then? Box office manager, how do we end up EVP? Oh, I, you know, I don't remember exactly. Sales manager, operations, production, you know, yeah. whatever it was, I was just doing it. Yeah. I, I honestly can't tell you, like, all the various sales because we just made them up, you know, yeah. I think as yeah. we went along. So, yeah. um, you know, some I do some degree of production, but we have a steward that really does, you know, he advances the shows that come in. And so he knows what his crew calls got to be. I work with him. I work, you know, some with the, some of our uh 
our third party um, providers maybe directly with you know elements of a production if we don't have it we might have to go to a third party rental like you know if somebody needs to bring in specific sound or AV or whatever I might deal directly but there's also a couple people here that also do that so Mm -hmm. you know I might be the key person who gets the initial contact from somebody who wants to bring a show in I kind of get all the information we scatter around to the various people who need to be involved and pull it back together can we talk a little bit about booking shows? Because mm-hmm. um, I think that's a fascinating part of the gig, right? And from what I understand, Broadway shows, we contract with Al Nocellino, Tony Award winner, yep. right? Yep. And um, and then uh, non-Broadway shows, is just internal? It's just you guys? Yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily us presenting. For instance, Albert is our partner, um, uh, our presenter partner. He actually is the guy who is uh, of of the partnership. He it's him who goes to the different Broadway um, shows and and books them. He's the mm-hmm. one who has to figure out how to put that massive puzzle together to bring it here. Yeah. And then when it's anything but you know not Broadway related, um, then either we're working with promoters who have been with us over the years and they come back every year. Generally, as a matter of course, um, you know we try to bring along new promoters. We try to push ourselves out there a little bit, letting people know you know that we're here and then once in a while we'll decide we're going to present a show of our own on our that's much less so i mean uh, we try not to put ourselves in a 100 percent risk position we generally don't but we partner on dates so sometimes we co-present and other times we just act as the roadhouse that somebody comes in and we provide all the services for them to do their show can you talk about the non-broadway shows that you just mentioned risk position mm-hmm. i don't think that's something that most of us understand that you're constantly calculating your risk position on mm-hmm. shows mm-hmm. i think that's a really fascinating thing can you just kind of dive deeper into how, what when a show gets booked or if you're going to book a show how do you calculate and mitigate and whatever regarding risk what's your calculation like? well i mean i mean somebody else i get this call all the time hey what do you think of this my very my response is always like how much does it cost mm-hmm. you know you can you can book uh i don't pick the biggest star you yeah, can anybody yeah, anybody sure. like somebody you know we have people say well why don't you, I, honestly this i swear to god i get these questions like why don't you book lady gaga well the answer is Taylor because Swift they can't af- can't afford it because yeah. right yeah. well I, we, probably <laughs> both of them right yeah but yeah of course we would but you know you've got to be able to sell enough tickets to pay for you know generally there's a guarantee uh there's different deals um you know, artists might have a, a flat versus, so they might say, okay, it's going to be $85,000, and believe me, there's guys are in the stratosphere above that, but it might be $85,000 guarantee, or uh, versus eighty-five, fifteen, whatever the higher number. So the artist is always going to negotiate for the higher of the numbers in that case. But what you've got to do then as a presenter is you got to know, why, okay, what's, what's your nut? What do you have to make up? It's not just ticket sales, and we do see people who are inexperienced make that mistake they think well if i book this act it's going to sell out that may be but you got to figure out can you meet the guarantee that the artist is requiring you can you pay for production costs because a lot of times that can add tens of thousands of dollars to your overall bill you gotta if you're gonna have to advertise and maybe you're going to be lucky enough to have somebody that you don't have a big um ad budget for more than likely you're going to have to put some money into that. So you have to take into consideration all of those factors and figure out what's your best educated guess on what you realistically can do. But it's always a gamble. I mean, it's definitely not a sure thing. Otherwise, everybody in the world would would yeah. do it. You know, shows that you think is are going to be a slam dunk can lose money. Can you give me an example on both sides of a time when you were <laughs> so wrong in the sense that you thought, uh, fine, we'll take a risk, and then all of a sudden you're sold out and you're like, what? 
and the opposite. Can, do you have an example of a time <laughs> when you went, this is a sure thing, and then you're sitting here going, why is nobody buying tickets? Um, I, uh, you don't have to name names. I guess can. that's a tough spot. No, I think... You've seen them both happen. Definitely though. seen them both happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, and then things happen that you didn't didn't anticipate. You know, we might book something on a Thanksgiving weekend, which, you know, you can't... You have, by the way... You have to tie. You have to take your. This is true in marketing too. I think you have to take yourself out of the totally. equation. You can't think, oh, I would go to that. Well, because you're not everybody else that has to buy the ticket. Yeah. So you got to be careful that you don't really think of it that way. Yeah. Um, so you know, but then all you can do is the best you can do. You, of course, there's, you know, again, one beautiful thing with the internet is there's a lot of information that's available online. You know, you can find out what is this artist. Anyway, if you book a show, you know, they're going to tell you. Well, we want to know what the grosses are. Well, they're also going to tell you all the high grosses that are. You really want to like do homework and say what are they grossing in markets that are like ours. Yeah. Are, you know, we're not New York. We're not L.A. You know, we're we're a secondary market. And the show won't. Won't tell you that necessarily. No, they do if they're. Okay. I think they will, but you know, sometimes you got to dig a little bit and find out. You know, what's what's this doing? Yeah. Um. I'm Chris Lindstrom, the host of the Food About Town podcast. If you want to learn more about the Rochester food and drink scene and beyond, with a good dose of nerdery and personal stories on top, then Food About Town is for you. I've been writing and podcasting for over 10 years, and I'm so thankful for all the support from the community. Subscribe to the Food About Town podcast today and hear from the people that make and love the food and beverages you can't stop enjoying. Hey, this is Wade Reed with the Level Up podcast. How do you take your coffee? What's your favorite espresso drink? Do you prefer washed process or natural process coffees? If any of these questions interest you, tune into the Level Up podcast presented by Nominate Meals on the Lunchador Podcast Network. We're looking at every link in the coffee supply chain from growing and processing to cafe life and home coffee brewing to find the topics that will enrich and maybe even stretch your experience of coffee. So have a listen, check us out on Instagram and Substack, and as always, enjoy your coffee. And then there's always a promoter too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have, have you had, and again, at this point, you've got decades into this. So I know, I already think I know the answer to this. Do you have some promoters you're like, seamless and other promoters you're like, never again? Yes, yeah. exactly. That, those categories. <laughs> what is something that puts a promoter <laughs> in the never again category? Uh, if they come in and they don't have their bills paid and they haven't made or their arrangements and I have to struggle from start to finish to get anything <laughs> out of them then they can go to that category yeah you know but we honestly try to i mean i don't want to sound cocky because we honestly try to work with people you have all levels of ability and knowledge you know you have the live nations that basically are going to come in and tell you here's what we need you to do and this is what we do and here's the show and you know that's they that's seamless um and then you have people that want to get in the business and they might have a little bit they might even have a little bit of experience but they want to they this is this is a pretty big hall to book it's all, we're almost 2500 seats so we generally will ask somebody for references you know let us know if you've ever done this before and how to go and then we'll call and find out you know did you get this did you get that how to go um you know people i feel a real obligation obviously to RBTL, my job is to get this place as full as we can, but I also feel like a personal obligation to make sure that people aren't going to make mistakes that are life-altering to the negative for them. I mean, I had a woman that she would love to become a promoter. I don't know why, but, you know, she said, well, what, you know, we talked about some finances estimate. This is probably what you would look at having to spend to do it. Okay, well, would you ever take, she goes, I own a house. Would you take that as collateral? 
I was like, absolutely not. You know, I said, I have to be able to live with myself as a person. I can't do that, you know. And by the way, you know, she got in here and there was no money to pay everybody. It it would fall back to the venue to have to deal with that. So you have to weed that stuff out. That is an extreme example because I haven't had that that experience much. Um, But there's a couple that have gone not so well and we've decided we would probably be better off not dealing with that. But. Yeah, I, I like that you bring that up because you, you actually, if I could just tell a quick story I've never, t- I don't think I've ever shared before, but that was years and years ago, Walmart reached out to carry our sauce and they went through a process of screening me personally mm-hmm. because when you supply Walmart, you are going to invest a couple hundred thousand dollars in all that product mm-hmm. and Walmart can just turn it on, turn it off anytime they want. And they ended up, and honestly for the better, because who knows what would have happened, they ended up telling me no. They ended up saying, we're not going to take you on because we estimate that if this doesn't go well, it could break you, you know, oh, personally. Really? Okay. And they weren't wrong. If I had at that time in my life, if I had had to invest $200,000 in sauce inventory that all of a sudden they just went, ah, you know what, never mind. Yeah. I would have been screwed. Yeah. Absolutely, for well, sure. that's admirable, so, you know. Yeah, I thought that was actually a really cool thing that they did. And I've never actually talked about that before. Because it was such a flash in the pan moment, you know. But now that you say that, I think that was, that's a, a, a kind-hearted thing for you to not take someone's house. Well, I mean, <laughs> again, that's extreme. And I have to protect us, too, in doing that. So it's not totally selfless. But, yeah. I mean, I could never do that. And, yeah. you know, you do have a sense of it. And I don't know everything, definitely. I mean, you get surprised all the time but you know i have done this for a long time so i you know you get those you have you have that gut feeling that okay we can work with this or you know and you know sometimes uh, a lot of times we're glad you know that we've made the decision again you want to turn up product but you got to be careful as well you know and responsible and we want to put stuff in here that people want to come and see you know if somebody says you know i I, I want I want whatever is on stage to be representative of you know something good. We want people to think, all right, this was good quality production. There have been a few that after the fact, I was like, oof, I made a mistake. <laughs> what what is what motivates you to take a one hundred percent risk position? You said well, it's not pretty mu- rare, honestly, but. not much because it's because okay. it, you really you know at, at being responsible to the organization, we don't, and I never okay. do it. You know, in, individually, there's a couple of us here who would weigh in on that. So and that's take extremely it. rare. It's pretty rare. Maybe a couple times a year, maybe. And then, okay. you know, you got to just be careful because, again, you don't need to do that in order. You don't need to go out and try to, like, make get a, make a home run. You know, you don't have to do that. You do these, you know, cumulative effect of, of successes that'll get you where we're going. So we don't need to go out and sell out a concert at a super high ticket price and then, great, we're set. Yeah. You know, more than likely, you're not going to find one of those without it costing you a lot in the end. So we we do really well when we partner with uh, promoters. And the nice thing about that, it's good for them and it's good for us because it can, again, mitigate their risk. So they feel like if they've got a show where it's like, Oof, I want to do this, it's really expensive, can the venue help us out? We usually say, say yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, we can and it helps them do the show and it uh, they don't generally have to give up too much. You know, when that's on the upside, they don't, you know, they, they, they still make money by sharing a show with us. So um, how much do you pay attention to what Buffalo is doing and Syracuse yeah, is we doing? Do. Is it, is, are you guys in it together in any way or is it pure competition or is it more like, well, no, what, what is that? I think, um, you know, some uh, like with our Broadway shows, you know, we share a presenter. Al Nachalino has numerous markets, including Syracuse, Buffalo, Rochester, um, and he's very good at 
you know, booking and spacing them out. And some shows can definitely, um, we're far enough down the road, I think, from both that, you know, the each market can support, you know, common shows in the mm-hmm. season. Um, it's funny because sometimes we look at online comments from people who are looking at all of our announcements and they're like, why don't they book different shows? Well, sometimes the routing just for these tours works this way that it works for them that way. But we do have people who will go to each of the markets, so they want to see something different everywhere, you know, which is to us indicates, oh, that's cool. They, you know, they're really into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think, again, being an hour and a half-ish away with the one-night shows, especially if you're doing 2,500 seats, 3,000 seats, you can support it, especially with some artists that are popular enough to to be able to sell those uh, that size venue, really. I'm going to kick myself for not knowing that you're going to know it off the top of your head. What's the show, Broadway, where the... Um it's a male actor, and he, it's not Mrs. Doubtfire, but it's a male act. It's the same story, basically. Male actor dresses up in drag. Uh, it was here a year or two ago. Uh, You're putting me on the spot. I know. Totally. I can't Hold on, please. Either. We're going to think. Let's talk sauce for a minute. Let's I'm going to get my cheat sheet. <laughs> yeah. Do you have your schedule on here? I got one here. <laughs> well, what, is... While you're looking it up, I'll tell you the advantage to that, to the show sometimes being in Syracuse next week, is that we got COVID the week that it was here. And oh, we so missed you get our to go show. There. So we bought tickets the next week. It was like two weeks later in Syracuse, and we just bought tickets and went and saw it in Syracuse. And it actually kind of worked. Did you like yeah, it? Yeah. What it was getting? Tootsie. Tootsie! Yeah. Damn it, that was going to be I like, know, yeah. it was yeah, wrong. Yeah, Tootsie, yeah. So we went and saw Tootsie in Syracuse, which was cool. It's also cool to see it on a theater. Yeah. That was my first time seeing that theater, yeah. Landmark. That's a that's a really interesting, beautiful theater, yeah, too. It's and old, they, very old, but very preserved I yes suppose. they've done a good job of that too really cool yeah um so uh the uh i wanted to just a little bit more on like actually booking back to broadway for a mm-hmm. second so you got albert nocellino you said that's contracted with him to what extent are you in on that or is that like he just delivers it to you and no, goes, it's done here you go no he's it's a partnership there's always a conversation that happens ahead of time like hey what do you think about this you know what do we think about this what do you think you know so there's a lot of conversations leading up to like he's looking ahead you know we'll announce next season soon mid-march early to mid-march um so obviously those conversations have been had uh but really he starts looking like more than a year out to see because he, he'll know because he produces on broadway as well yeah. so he has interest in a lot of the the shows that are going to be going on tour so it's great as he's wonderful as a partner and he but he brings a lot of information and knowledge but it's always a a conversation that a lot of us have here and think you know what are you hearing from people what do they want to see yeah. It's interesting. We've done things like surveys, like what would you what would you like to see? And everybody puts, I swear to God, they mark the highbrow stuff, but they lie because they really want to see like the. <laughs> yeah. I always yeah. say, you know, everybody says they want to see, you know, I don't pick pick whatever, and that what they really want to see is the pop thing that they know. Rochester definitely seems to be a a, a, a town that wants to have a familiar title. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. It, it helps people that. know, but you know, these are. Even through ticket, none of these shows are inexpensive. So people are investing. They're putting a decent chunk sure. of change down to come out for night. So I don't blame them for wanting to know. You know, what am I going to see this year? You know, yeah. or this. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, so you actually, my next question was going to be, how far out are you? I mean, we know what we hear as the public, mm-hmm. but you're telling me that that twenty four, twenty five is pretty much wrapped up. Yes. Uh, twenty five, twenty six is probably being worked on right now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating and, and some of it they won't know totally because, you know, those tours change too. You know, they think they're going to take something out at some point and then 
I don't know what happens, but it gets pushed around a lot. Yeah. So I can't say we have a lot in the book. I might have some notes in for twenty five, twenty six, um, and I'm sure he's way further ahead than I am. But um, you know, I I go with what he lets us know. But he's he's always working at it. Yeah. And last question on booking: like, how often can you go to the same well over and over? You got your, you know, like, I mean, how often can you go to Hamilton? wicked right like some of the i the, you know the the just the ones that you know are going to create this buzz i mean hamilton is hamilton mm-hmm. but if hamilton was here every week it would eventually lose being hamilton right um yep. we're not in new york city like i said we're not broadway how do you know what the right amount of time how many years till you bring wicked back hamilton back or whatever that list is i don't know what the magic number is on that um i know we kind of take if something's going to talking about going out again you know we'll take a look how did it do last time how many years has it been and there is no magic number because there are some of those repeat shows that people are always clamoring for you know we hear people that they want to see mama mia again mama mia has been here like not in a long time, but it's been here a number of times. But it's interesting. So we talk to people, we listen to what what we hear from subscribers and buyers and just, you know, so some of it is sort of like, uh, you know, gut, anecdotal, not really science, you know. Um, Sometimes things seem to make sense uh, this year because they're, because of routing, like literally how the you know, how the route is playing out across the country. Does a stop in Rochester make sense on their way to Hartford? You know, th- yeah, they're driving by basically. So like, there's things like that, that where they might need yeah. to connect the dots. And I'm not in that portion of the business. I find that fascinating too, because there is somebody who has to figure that out. And it's like one of those little puzzles you had as a kid, you have to move this letter to make this drop in. You know, yeah. it's really, it's that's fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, can we switch gears? Talk yeah. about leadership a little bit. Mm-hmm. Love talking to leaders about being a leader. Uh, how have you, it's tough to ask you, like, oh, rate yourself as a leader. How have you come along as a leader in 30 plus years? I do remember, and I was talking about this to somebody recently. I do remember having a point at which I recognized that it, I was literally sitting in a meeting and I had worked, um, you know, under the direction of somebody for a while. I had a boss and things started to, I don't know what the transition was, but, but it did. And I think, and they left and I started to realize like having this, I had this epiphany that, oh my gosh, if this doesn't happen, this is totally on me. You know, that mm-hmm. feeling of like, mm-hmm. I finally had to recognize I was the adult in the room. Like, and I would like to think that up until that point, I, get that. I took it seriously, whatever I was doing, I was definitely going to execute, but I really recognized that, oh, there's actually some responsibility more than just like doing what somebody tells you to do. Now I got to figure out what it is we actually have to do, Yeah, you know, and it, you know, I, I don't know how old I was, but, um, I definitely had that moment of realization. So that helped me. You have nobody left to blame, right? Nobody's going to, it's going to be all my fault if I don't get this done. And you have, so fear. I guess as the boss, maybe (laughs) say like, maybe it could be said you have less repercussion. Although I argue you have more repercussion because if you truly do fail a few times, you're gone, right? So I argue, but, but that said, you just like, if it's the wrong call, it's the wrong call. You got to own it. You got to just say, I just, which by the way, you're going to, you're human. You're going to make a bad call i think it goes so far to to actually own it too right in yeah. front of your people yeah you have I to the wrong call. i remember my adult in the room situation <laughs> it was actually just a few years ago it was the beginning of covid and we had a truck driver show up at my plant yeah, your name is on the damn jar so you got <laughs> it true. really t- it's hard true. to hide but i remember early covid you know like we're talking april of 2020 march and april of 2020 it, i would have truck drivers show up no mask no nothing walk into the building 
and just be like, what's up? You know, giving high fives. Hey, everybody, how y'all doing? You know? And I remember being like, man, somebody should tell that guy to put on You're a right? mask and then going, oh, it's that's me. me. I'm that's that me. guy. I'm the yeah. adult. That's me. That's my <laughs> There are, sure, you know, and, and you still, I still have moments like that when I think, oh, this is going south. Yeah. So oh, I got to do something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. I totally get that. Um, what is your advice as a leader? You know, I mean, we talked about it a little bit already about kind of, you know, bust your ass, make your way up. But what's your advice? Somebody looking for a career. Somebody wants to be you one day. They love this. They just love this business. How does somebody do that? Well, I think in any business, probably this is true. But, you know, here again, I think we're a little unique because we kind of grew it almost from the ground up, right? So there was, as I said, a lot of opportunity was available because, you know, there wasn't, I wasn't walking into a specific job at at Xerox. You know, I mean, it wasn't like there was yeah. a structure that was so rigid that you couldn't kind of help bend the structure and grow it. So I was lucky with that. And, you know, my personality worked well with that. I didn't want nine to five either so it was okay um i guess if i was advising somebody now i would still say stick your nose into everything you can you know you got to try to find the line between like staying in i don't you know that stay in your lane reference you know i believe in it ish not really because i think that if people do and they never get out of it how do they learn you know that said you know i guess you can get outside your lane just try not to step on somebody's toes you know a little bit and and be respectful of people and you know i i think i'm very direct with people i have a heart i have a very for me personally if somebody tells me directly what it is they want me to know whether it it's i'd tell me what I need here. Yeah. Tell, tell me if I've done something wrong, tell me what that is. I can deal with it. That's how I deal with people. I'm really direct, but I like to, I know I'm fair, or at least I always try to be fair. And so that way, if you have to deal with something, if it's uncomfortable, you just, you know, deal with it. The other thing I read, I wish I could remember this, and this is me being really lame because I never did go back and figure it out. I probably could with our friend, the internet, <laughs> but I read an excerpt from a book. I was on a flight from point A to point B and it was or an, or a little bit of this excerpt that talked about a measure of success or why some people are successful, however you want to measure that, versus less successful people. And he said the one common trait was when people know, when you know what the right answer is, instead of taking forever to execute whatever action now you decide needs to be made, they just do it. It's not a matter of like hemming and hawing because we all are faced with that where you're like, I really don't want to do this. You know, we all have people we like, oh, I don't want to have to have that conversation. I don't want to come back. You know, if you put it off, you're still going to have to have the conversation. So I was really inspired by that. And I thought, you know what? If you know the right thing to do, do the right thing then. Don't wait three days to do it. Just do it. And I swear that has helped me you know, push, gets through my list of things to do. Mm-hmm. Not that everything's difficult to do, but we all pick and choose, you know, yeah. and this way it's like, no, if this is the right thing, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that helps me. Let's talk a little future. Uh, the, uh, be careful because I got to remember what is and isn't public knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the building's been purchased, mm-hmm. uh, by the RBTL. That was something that we didn't, I don't think the public realized for a long time you were just a tenant here. Well, we the building right now where you and I sit, mm-hmm. we did own this. We bought that in the early 2000s. 
but the other half of the building beyond right. that we did not correct yeah, yeah. right right so own it there are uh, there's a lot of um re revitalization happening right mm-hmm. of the building mm-hmm. um what portion of it, i'm gonna kick it to you because i i don't That's remember right. what it is it isn't public <laughs> what portion of it is public what can we talk about what are the plans for the next few years here that you're that we can talk yeah about? no problem we yeah. i mean we we own the entirety of the complex which is great uh because now we control a whole half of the building that we didn't before with that comes a lot of challenges and a lot of work that needs to be done but that said you know we get to own that lobby we get to use that lobby fully you know we certainly recognize the shortcomings of the the entrance off the back parking lot which is where at least half of the audience for any given show comes in we recognize that that's something that myself and a couple of us here are working with a design team and construction um uh, Pike Construction, Labella Architects, to come up with um, solutions for how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that horrible hallway that we all <laughs> know yeah. and hate so well, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, over the next couple of years, we want to deal immediately with some basic accessibility for both, you know, able-bodied and people who also, you know, need better help than what a hundred-year-old building can can do for them. So um, immediately, we, what we've done is identified various phases of this project which will be multi-year and the first thing we're dealing with our um elevator an elevator that was never functioning probably when most of our i mean i think it's not been functioning since i was here so for 20 years so we're getting the second elevator working which will take people up and down that side of the building but a big key important thing that we've done is we're punching through the wall from the second floor where the elevator has access to the second floor lobby of the or the balcony cool. here so that's going to be a big game changer for audiences who then not every single person who sits upstairs has to then walk all those stairs so this yeah. is a good thing yeah so those are the immediate things and dealing with the back rear entrances phase two that design and um uh, deconstruction and construction will start in the next few months here. So That's it's just going to be a process over several years right now. Do you see that that back entrance? Does that go? It, is it possible that that's ready for next season, first show of next season, or is that aggressive? Um, at least the. It'll look like something's happening. I don't know when it'll be done. Yeah. I don't know when it'll be completed. It's yeah, and it's I, never on time or budget, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> you know, there's always things, especially in this building. You know, you run into, and as we go along, because we've never done it, you know, like oh, well, wait, we could do this. We could do this. So, yeah. um, you know, progress is being made. I think the general public will start to see progress really shortly. I mean, even now, the little things there are some things that have improved. Um, but it's a multi-year program for sure. I mean, are we saying 2030? That's we, that's the that's that was that when we announced that we thought 20. 30 like a seven-year project um and we will see but working we're working toward that you asked a question the other day that i was i'm not normally shy but i was kicking myself i didn't answer for you and it was uh something i've talked about on this uh podcast and that is that i am i sit on about four local boards and i'm on a handful of committees and there are two committees one that has to do with rotary and we're building a a garden at our sunshine camp which Mm. is going to be accessible a fully accessible Mm. garden so a kid in a wheelchair can go and pick tomatoes and the raised beds will be three four i love it the second most exciting committee that I'm on is the Rochester Broadway Theater League Experience Committee. Yes. Brand new committee. Okay. Brand new committee. And 
You asked a question the other day. Yeah, Yeah, you asked a question. I'm so excited. I'm very passionate about that committee because I love coming here as a a customer, as a guest. I love coming here. And so I was just like so freaking honored to be asked to be on that. And you had asked a question of like, what's what's the goal? Right? What's the goal? Because we're talking to people who used to come and don't come anymore. Talking to people who come once in a while. We're talking to people... And, and we're talking to people who are season ticket holders, big supporters, mm-hmm. kind of breaking them down to buckets. And my answer to that, I've been dying to tell you for a week, is that I think the goal is to graduate everyone one up. Let's get the person who hasn't been here in a while to try us again. Let's get the person who comes once in a while to consider a package. And let's get the person who has the package to feel like this is the most fun they ever have. That's a great every month when they come to a show that they go out into the public and they talk about it for days about how they had the most awesome experience they could possibly have and the best night out in rochester is have you gone to the auditorium theater have you ever been to a show yeah yeah i want people like that so we want to graduate everyone up one and the people who are already just coming for their night we want them talking about it for days about Mm -hmm. how great it was that's fantastic that's my answer to that question yeah that experience committee is is it's exciting it's brand new we're still in our infancy. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see from it? And what are your thoughts on the actual experience? And the way we're thinking of it is we're thinking of it from the moment they drive onto our property yeah. to the moment they drive off of our property. Well, I, that's where we have control. Definitely. I, I have a, you know, I you know, I always want to say to people, trust me, I know that this needs work. Trust me, I know that this yeah. can be. You know, I have a, a, it's mine. I, I mean, it's something that I always say around here. I say, we can do better. And I always say that. I say, that is the t shirt we're all going to wear around here because I don't care what it applies. It applies to everything. You know, when you look at, at the building, like for instance, we acquired that portion of the building. Signage out there, this sounds like a small thing, but it's not. Signage out there was like a mess. You might see like a hand scrawled thing directing somebody to a third floor of church. We can do better. It doesn't have to look at like that. Yeah. So like our marketing people, when we acquired that and got the jurisdiction to do that, it's, now it looks at least cohesive and it looks nice. Yeah. Not a big thing, but it's a little thing that collectively looks everything looks so much better. So my goal would be to see us. Um, I, I'm kind of rambling on your question specifically, but I do want to know what makes a difference. Of course, I know that that entrance could be better, and that's what we're working toward. You know, part of me wants to say it's not like we don't see it; we see it now. We have the right to and the means to deal with it, so we're dealing with it. But I'd also like to see because I've been here, as I mentioned, for going on 36 years. There's going to be things I don't see because I've seen them day in and day out for decades so i'd like to know what people see that we don't see you know yeah i i think there's tons of opportunity to say you know give us an idea of something we've never thought of i guarantee there's probably something that to somebody seems really obvious to us we're like we're not even seeing this right now yeah i mean one of the first ideas that came out of that committee was the uh the idea of valet or premier premium parking it was actually when i first found out i was gonna be on that committee i went um i do these charity dinners at lauren dixon and mike Lovell's house lauren sits on the cmac board and they have an experience committee and so they had found that um exclusive experiences right are 
it are good. And one of the exclusive experiences is can you drive right up to a concert and just like drop your car off? Yeah. I thought that'd be cool. And of course, the thought is, well, okay, it does seem great at the beginning. And now that we own parking lots here, it's like it could be done. But to the end, how do you, what do we do at the end when everyone wants to leave at the same mm-hmm. time and you're waiting a half hour for your yeah. car? But you know what's cool is uh, I found out the answer since then. Yeah, I'm going to tell you before I even tell the Tell me. Committee. The valet companies now, or at least the good ones, have the ability to text you when your car is ready. So so you, they'll know you want to leave now, mm-hmm. right? So what if we like opened up a bar or something for a half hour after the show and just like, if you want to buy a drink and wait for your car, it's just an idea. Yeah. I don't know. Well, well I think all that stuff is absolutely worth talking about, you know, yeah. and I don't want to be somebody that says, well, we can't do that because, you know, parking is not easy necessarily, yeah. but we do back-to-back sold out Seinfeld shows on, you know, pick a day when we've yeah. done them. It works. It does work. You know, you have to... There's well, did, there's a way you do to do valet it. for Seinfeld. No, no. Oh, but my point is, is we don't, and it works. Okay, so clearly, yeah. there's there is parking. You know, I yeah. think as we as we get through that, we we have to talk about the realities of you know the lots that we do own, and you know uh, we share them with all the tenants in the building. We share them with the trucks and buses that are here for the shows. You know, I yeah. mean, there's a lot of things, oh, and yeah. actually, with this right. re- one of the things actually, what a big topic for yesterday's design team meeting was to talk about this entrance. This um, would be the southwest entrance in the back of the building. Do we do a loop for a drop-off? What do we do there? So it is something that uh, cool. I think you have to figure, you have to know people are talking about that because we recognize, you know, there is no drop-off and run run yeah. right in, you know, unless you get yeah. super lucky and get a spot out front. It's very yeah. hard. So Right. Get here nice and early. That's how I like. You know what I like to do? President's Lounge gives me a excuse to come an hour early. Yeah. Get a baller parking spot. I know. And I get to go sit in there, have a drink and a <laughs> little something to eat. I think it's great. All right. What did we miss? Anything we missed? What did I forget? Let's talk about sauce. Let's talk about sauce. What do you want to know? What do you want to talk about? Well, I make a, I make a, how did you get into, I know that other people know this story, but how did you get into the sauce and I, was, thing. I, I mean, loved well first of all i was just an italian kid growing up so i loved going to my grandpa's house did your family make like sunday sauce grandpa did okay grandpa did it kind of skipped a generation my father's never made a pot of sauce in his life what isn't that weird <laughs> but it but so my grandfather did and it was just go over there every sunday and and it turned it was like a little family reunion every sunday and my grandfather was just the coolest guy and that's why i used that's to cool. love brother we so much was because brother we is just like what my grandfather was like it's just like this loud sort of like out of character because <laughs> he was he was an old guy who should just be some like super conservative but he was just like this ultra liberal old like loud man that's cool <laughs> like, obscene but also in church every sunday like wouldn't miss <laughs> church but also would curse constantly um just just a fantastic person i loved being around him so much that's cool and, and i'm not it. from here i'm from ohio so when i moved here i had a little homesickness i didn't do anything I lived in an apartment on East Avenue, and I just would, uh, I had a little studio apartment, and I would just go to work, go home, go to work, go home, go to work, go home, and really just didn't do anything. Now, the one good thing is it made me good at my work, because all I had to do was, was work. work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, the bad thing was I was lonely, and I was homesick, and so I would do things to make me re-familiarize, you know, make me feel familiar. So I just started making sauce on Okay. Sundays. Then I would bring it into work, and I would be like, I got leftover sauce, and then I started working for Wheeze. 
That's how I brought it. I would bring. I would make like a giant Sunday sauce dinner for me, only me, and bring all <laughs> the leftovers in on Monday. And I think the very beginning of it was sort of we saying something on the air like, "Bro, this is delish." You know, you yeah. Everything about selling this stuff it's the same way anyone would do it, and me saying like, "No, I don't think so." And we used to have these text. You could text the show directly, and um. That was not great for self-esteem, by the way. But in this case, it worked because I had like 20 people text me and say, I'd buy a jar. I'd buy a jar. And I oh, remember, really? That's how it started. I remember counting like 20 texts and thinking to myself, well, if I just made 20 jars of sauce and sold them for a dollar more than, I, than it cost me to make them, I could make 20 bucks and that would pay for me to go to Wegmans tonight and buy my dinner. That's literally how you... That was the original business that's plan. That's interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that so, okay, here's a technical question. How yeah. many hours is an all-day sauce? And this is going to be one my husband's going to be interested to hear yeah, yeah, your yeah. answer <laughs> because if it's anything less than like like literally all day, yeah, he's like, that's like a half-day sauce. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I would say uh, I'm usually up 6, 30, 7 o'clock okay. on a Sunday. Sauce is on by 8 and he's not going to like it. We eat about 12, 30. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, he's like convinced that that's and I'm like, but you've never made sauce. I'm not even Italian. You're Italian and you've never made sauce, but you have this opinion. It's fantastic at 12:30, but a lot of times what'll happen because I eat at 12:30 and that's you know, it's early, there's going to be another meal later. I'll leave it on and it's probably better at 6 o'clock. Don't you think it's always better like a day later though? Yes. In fact, there's a restaurant day later sauce in Rochester <gasps> Maybe that you I should make that. I can't say cuz it's it's a it's a confidentiality thing because we're a co-packer, so we make a lot of other people's sauces. Mm-hmm. And there's, but there's a very famous Italian restaurant in town that that's their secret. They make everything, all of tomorrow's sauce they make today. Don't you think you should jar one that is like day later sauce? Y- yeah, yeah. That should I be mean, the we've, name. We've done that on accident a couple times just because we screwed <laughs> something up. <laughs> <laughs> we've had to put entire kettles of sauce before like we do 100 gallon batches That's so awesome. we've had times before where something goes wrong and we've had to put it in buckets in the cooler overnight and then bring it back the it next day it kind of mellows a little that. bit and I think that's like probably the best sauce we've ever made there you go yeah. <laughs> it that's, gets a nice long that's it true. does yeah yeah awesome yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for asking. It's very nice of you to ask. I'm interested. <laughs> I appreciate I, it. I keep telling you, I'm coming to Bergen for a tour of the plant. Anytime. Anytime you guys and want my, to And my out. husband wants to come as well. He works for a company where um, SUNY Geneseo, uh, uh, they, I think they bought your sauce at one point. They did. Whether or not yes. they're doing it or not. Now and we were too know. expensive eventually, but yeah, they did. But you know what's funny now, though, is I don't know for sure, so I can't 100% say, but I do know some of the SUNY schools, I don't know to what extent they all have to buy the same thing versus they, they have I don't know that they do. But there is a product we make now, again, confidentiality, it's under a different brand, that is in a lot of SUNYs. Mm, okay. So good, I, good. Yeah, so um, I there is a chance they're buying our sauce now without even realizing it. Back then it was the name brand they were buying, Google yeah. almost sauce but now they might be the thing is the state schools get such an incentive for using like local produce yes so we do yes a, they do yeah. yeah so we do a project with uh, intergrow that grows tomatoes year-round in albion in ontario new york where we use local tomatoes that's to make great sauce. i love that and and that ends up in a lot of institutions and then those institutions get state kickbacks and so it's yeah that's awesome yeah. do you ever go by like a sauce display and kind of loiter or linger around it to see if anybody like recognizes it's you i've done so many embarrassing things (laughs) i'm not looking for recognition but what i do do is i always what we call face it meaning (laughs) like if you know it'll look shopped like jars are oh yeah yeah so you're like straightening it i'll straighten it. looking over your shoulder as you're straightening it seeing if people recognize i'll I'll pull i'll pull (laughs) to the front another one of my tricks i always go to wegmans with cash and if i see somebody grab a jar the other than 
Guglielmo, sometimes, it's sometimes, I'll play the vibe a little. If the vibe's not there, I might not. But sometimes <laughs> what I'll do is I'll say, excuse me, will you ever just do me a favor and try this? And here's the $6. You know, here's you the really cash. You really do that? Yeah, here's the $6. And, and would you ever just try this? This. Song? What do you, what's the, um, does it, has anybody ever given you like a, like get away from me? I'm telling store security. Or... I, no one's ever said get away from me, but I have definitely felt the vibe of why are you talking to me before. And then in which case I can feel it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave this person alone. I'll give you a good a good and a bad though. Leo's Bakery the other day. Yeah. I walked in and, and literally came around the corner and saw a woman take one of our sauces. And I just instinctively said, hey, thanks. Thank you. She's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's 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 our sauce. Thank I'm... you so much. But But her reaction wasn't like, oh, cool. Her reaction was like, Oh, oh, this guy's crazy. <laughs> what do you mean that's our It's stuff? a weird world. Yeah. Got to be careful. The other thing, this is this is so funny and awkward, but I actually love the awkwardness of this. I just think it's hilarious, is when I see somebody I know in the store, and of course they have sauce in the cart, not and, ours. And, I, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I always love, and they are, and just the panic in their face when they realize uh, that like, oh shit, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> and I'm always, I always let them out of. I always go, oh my god, please, 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 please. And you say fun. that, you know what? That's actually really good sauce. I like that sauce. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do. That's the other thing is when we first started, I did like these little focus groups of my own, very like unofficial, but like at work, I would say I'm inviting everyone for lunch, make pasta, give them like six different sauces. Yeah. I always thought, as an Italian growing up, that like all jarred sauce sucked. The truth is, a lot of jarred sauce is really good. Maybe they're better than they used to be. They though, might too. be. They might might just be. Wasn't it like Chef Boy? No, not yeah. Chef Boy. Hunts like Hunts Red Pack, and then like like ragu and prego used to be. Ragu the is best what I remember. Do on a okay. grocery store shelf. In, in the last twenty years, that's changed. But like twenty years ago, the best you were going to do was like prego. Yeah. Yeah. And now there's really good high end sauce yeah. on the shelf. So there's a lot of brands that are really good sauces. And so <sighs> I admit it, it's fine. I'm starving. <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I want a big plate of cold spaghetti right now. We should say, because this comes out on Sunday, if you haven't seen Eight and Too Proud yet, two shows today, one o'clock and six thirty. No, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Sunday. Yes, yes you're right. Because it's Sunday today, <laughs> right? That's right. Yes. All right. So come on out to Eight oh, and Too Proud. Listen, it's so it is so worth it. I'm and excited. come right to the box office. We'll open up at eleven on Sunday, that today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and be open like right through the second show. It, the show is honestly so good, and I see them all. But this show is one that I will see a second time because it's it's really so good. And what's shocking about this one, you will be probably stunned at how many songs they wrote that they're responsible for. Uh, that you didn't know was either them or you just the the the, yeah. the catalog is so huge it's just amazing it's so good too. you know what well actually so uh my i'm gonna ask you this but uh, ask me my favorite show i've ever seen here i'm gonna guess jersey boys beautiful no. beautiful Carole king musical well right i mean yeah that's a heartbreaker but a, in a good way similar uh, though of all the songs that yes. you didn't realize she wrote did you know right? that the, what oh. the babysitter thing the connection and all she was like just genius and so I, I think and even until I saw it I didn't realize and I was yeah. somebody who actually grew up babysitting for people who had Carole King albums and I listened to Tapestry and I listened to all that but when I saw yeah. that show it's like wow this is just an amazing like it's a real story what a story too yeah. and sad obviously yeah. um, Carole King in 2016 so everyone will always ask me from days in the radio and now I gotta ask you the same question mm. Days in radio, oh, you meet celebrities. How many? Cele the single I think most starstruck I ever was was we had Carol King in studio. Yeah. She was in 2016 when it was Hillary and Trump. 
um, Hillary was like pulling out the celebrity card was pulling the celebrity card and so there were there was this period of time about a month before that election where we were getting like real celebrities on the we show it was crazy <laughs> we had we were getting offered a-list celebrities as phone they were phoners they weren't coming to town carol king was actually in rochester but um but we, there was this crazy time that was the most the, the the single greatest radio moment i ever have in regards to a celebrity was, was getting to look carol king in the eye and tell her how much i enjoyed the musical beautiful that's, I, I can't believe i got to do that that's great yeah, yeah i know i agree that show is stunning and this one though is is you know in the same vein i mean it's just remarkable like how much uh, popular music they were responsible for bringing to your ears and you're like oh my gosh i remember this yeah, you yeah. know okay what's so, your top show all time broadway show number one um Mm, there's so many good ones and i honestly do go in and i try not to be i'm i will never go in and try to compare it to something i've seen that's totally different that's yeah. not they're not trying to do that yeah yeah you know i i mean hamilton i was just listening to the broadway cast recording two nights ago while i was uh making risotto in fact yeah, yeah. Nice. and um nice. i just i'm stunned at how uh, i i you know i've i, I i'm stunned at that show yeah. Just to the genius of the combination of all the people. It's not only Lin Manuel Miranda. It's, it's you know, every artistic person they put in the mix to come up with what they came up with. Yeah. I don't know if it's my favorite. I mean, there's just so many good good ones. I, Girl from the North Country is fantastic. Um, that's one that you know nobody uh, is going to know as well as Hamilton. But boy, what a show! That's um, a, that's a good that's a deep cut. I don't know that one. Um, musical Bob Dylan. So you know, cool. it's just. Uh, cool. It, there's there's so much good stuff out there. Yeah. I think it's impossible to to come up with the one that you loved. I loved Bridges of Madison County. Yeah. Which yeah. which I loved the movie. I love the Broadway show. I mean, there's just there's just a ton of them. I can't give you a yeah. favorite. The Hamilton really is something special. I mean, you you wonder how often something like that can come around. I mean, so you, yeah, you Lin Manuel, but then is Alex it Le- Leslie Odom Jr. Right? Yes, he he played Burr, and, and his voice is like amazing, right? ridiculous. The guy who plays Jefferson and um, uh, oh, Davy Diggs, yeah, uh, Davy Diggs. Lafayette. I mean, he yeah. he like went on to do big things, right? Yeah, and then yeah. also. Uh, Oh God! But and and the 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 three sisters too. Um, one of them, the Angelica, the original Angelica, Renee. I want to uh, say Elise Goldberg. Yeah, she she. She was just at Kodak Theater like a month or two ago. Uh, again, part of the genius of that show was them him being smart enough to recognize these talents that brought that show. Yeah. You know, I was lucky enough to see it with that original cast in New York when it That's was awesome. the first year. And let me tell you what: that sitting in that theater. At that point, it had the reputation that it was what it was, but it was still early. And, I, you know, I, I, the, the audience was in a frenzy. There's a the one song that uh, Christopher Jackson sang is Washington. Uh, is it One Last Time? One Last know. Time. Yeah, One Last Time. I'm telling you, I sat there and people were like screaming at the top of their lungs, like at the climax of that song. But, you know, there's not a lot of experiences you get to have like that. Yeah. I mean, but it was just such a thing at that time. And it was just like, it was just riotous. It really was. It and was they, great. You know what they did also that was great was they capitalized, I shouldn't say capitalized on the pandemic, but they, so how do I even say this? They did the right thing in the pandemic. They did two things. First of all, remember when the pandemic started that they had, they had filmed Hamilton and they were going to be putting oh, yeah. it out and they moved the release Dis- date. Disney plus, right? Didn't yeah. It? yeah. But they moved the release date up so that it would come out 
early on in the yeah, pandemic yeah. because they were like, we need this. It was pretty smart. And it was supposed to come out like nine months later. But Lynn, Lynn was like, we, I want it out ASAP yeah. because everyone's home right now. Yeah. And I want it. And the other thing that they did, which was cool, was they did a bunch of what has gone, what would go viral was that they would, the cast would like surprise somebody with like, they would go on Zoom and I don't even know how they got whoever they were getting, but you know, somebody was going to have a Zoom with one of the actors from Hamilton and then all of a sudden the actor would be like do you mind if I just invite my friend and they would be like nine cast members would come on yeah they and they would like sing them a song <laughs> they mastered so cool. that didn't they they were really good at yeah. it, it going viral during the pandemic at the beginning a lot to be said yeah 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 all right thank you so much for this. thank you this it's awesome. been a pleasure oh it's my been gosh. really fun that sounds really old lady it's been actually right <laughs> <laughs> and now I gotta go get something to eat I'm starving talking about that sauce thing you didn't get to eat during the load lunch loaded lunch I've never no, eaten it no you gotta bring called. your own oh, so, oh it is BYOL yes uh huh okay so, all right thank, thank you, you Polly this has been a presentation of the Lunchador Podcast Network <laughs>